We are in a series called Echoes of the Past. This is week number two, and last week we, we talked about Amazing Grace. And this week I want to continue that idea off of songs that many of us were raised on, the song I'll Fly Away. Now, something that you may not know about me is that I'm starting to get into collecting old books, specifically old Christian books, and these are just some of my older hymnals. Um, can you help me out, Pastor Tyson, please? Just, yeah, just hold those real quick. This is, this is a, well, that one's not a hymnal. Isn't that awesome? Great. This is a, this is a hymnal for children from the year 1904, right there. The church school hymnal for youth from the year 1931. Here's another hymnal, Tabernacle Hymns number two. I just, just wanna show you these, because I, I love these old, these old hymns, because what we talked about last week is that hymns have a way of connecting us to the heritage of our faith. Because if we're not careful, we think this is how it's always been. This was modern cutting edge technology at one point, just so you know. Here's some more, there's one in here I really like. There's one in here I really like, 1940 there. What's this, uh, this was a gift from someone in our church, Salvation Army hymnal, uh, that they have a songbook. Here's, here's probably my favorite. Uh, this one's probably my favorite right here, this little one. It's written, I don't know if you can see, you won't be able to see that, but it says, for Mrs. Annie Snyder from your teacher, Isaiah, and whatever that last name is, uh, December 25th, 1875. That hymnal right there, isn't that amazing? This is the hymnal from the church I grew up in. I jacked it when I left, here it is. <laughs> How many of you know the Redback hymnal? That's the one that, that's the one. Here's another one I picked up since I've been here. Uh, First Baptist Church, Columbus, Mississippi. That's in my, uh, it's in my office. I didn't steal that one, so don't start a rumor on me. Our pastor, he's breaking into churches and stealing hymnals. The, uh, I just love old, old songs and old hymnals. If you ever take some time and read through the lyrics, they, they could really stir your heart and mind. And it reminds me of the story I heard, and I may have shared it once before. I love the story of little country church that needed an air conditioner. And they told the pastor came up and told the church today, I would like to take up a special offering for our air conditioner. So they passed around the giving plate around the room and somebody dropped a $100 bill in the giving container. And the pastor looked down once it came to the altar. He said, whoever gave the $100 bill, I, wanna, I want you to know I'm so thankful for you today. And uh, I'll let you pick the next three hymns if you will just identify yourself. And this old lady stood up in the back. She goes, oh, pastor, thank you so much. It don't mean, it just, I just wanna bless the church. He goes, well, sister, you can pick three hymns. So he goes, okay, I'll take him, and I'll take him, and I'll take him. <laughs> Everybody say, I'll fly away. <laughs> Written in the year 1929 by Albert Brumbley who was born in 1905 in Oklahoma. He was raised very impoverished. And as a child, his family 
brought him on the farm to help pick cotton just to help pay, to pay the bills. When he was just five years old, his brother, his older brother, died of typhoid fever. And so at a very young age, Albert was very well acquainted with poverty and very well acquainted with grief. It is said that he wrote the song in college, but he said he wrote the song in his heart as a young child. Because of his life being so difficult here on earth, he was looking forward to the day that he would fly away. He wasn't necessarily longing for the blessings of earth. He was longing for the glory of heaven. The song lyrics say, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Goes on to say that when I die, hallelujah, by and by. Come on, Christians got some, Christians got some hope, don't they? Just a few more weary days and then I, I'm, I'm gonna fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. I recently heard a preacher say that one of his greatest concerns in the Christian faith today is that we have too much love for this world. Too occupied with the things of this current life we live. We're too occupied with our income, occupied with our conveniences, our comfort, our affluence. And the more we become occupied with this world, the more complacent we can become in our faith. Can I get an amen? The Bible lets us know in Hebrews chapter 13, 14, it says, for this world is not our home. We are looking forward to our everlasting home in heaven. I think a good place to start, maybe for everyone to understand, is that every person listening and every person watching, everybody has an appointment to death. Unless the Lord comes and takes us home, the reality of it is everybody has a great appointment day. The Bible says it is appointed to every man once to die, then the judgment. Every person, everywhere is going to die. Kings die, queens die, young die, old die, the wealthy, the poor, the educated, the not educated. Everybody is going, is going to die. And me and you have to know, according to the word of God, the Bible tells us that we're gonna live forever. Somewhere. We are going to live, this is just a place we're passing through. This is just an earth suit that one day, your friends and family will walk past your coffin. One day we will sing and preach your funerals. One day my obituary will be in the paper. But it's not necessarily what we've done in this life that matters. It's where we go after this life that matters. And the Bible says in John chapter 14, Jesus is ending his, his final 
staff meeting, if you would. He's with his team at the Last Supper. And the Bible says, he looks at them in John chapter 14, verse one. He goes, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, Jesus said, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. For the next few moments together, I wanna to pull some points just out of, that, out of that quick passage that Jesus is letting his followers know. Number one, heaven is a place. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Heaven isn't a state of mind. Heaven isn't a state of being. It isn't a place where your essence floats around like a ghost. It's a real place. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a literal, physical place. Jesus promised this. Paul lets us know that he, in Scripture, in 2 Corinthians, 14 years prior to the writing, he says that I was in the third heaven. Whether in my body or out of my body, I have no idea. But I saw some things that I can't talk about. I saw the third heaven. A lot of people may wonder, uh, I'm just trying to figure out the first heaven, how, come, how is there three? Really, it's simple. The first heaven is where we live now. The second heaven is the moon, sun, stars, and galaxies. The third heaven is the heavenly realm. The best way to remember it is the first is seen by sight, the second is seen at night, and the third we see by faith. Colossians chapter three says that since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Heaven is a place where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. You know, the Bible tells us that the city has streets of gold. In fact, if you study it, it doesn't just say that the streets are gold, it says the city is gold. Not only that, the Bible lets us know that the walls are made of jaspers, rubies. There's about seven different types of, of, of rubies and emeralds and diamonds. The Bible mentions that the walls of the city will be made of. The Bible lets us know that there are 12 gates that are all made out of one single pearl. Dr. David Jeremiah said that the city, according to the word of God, is 1,500 miles square. And it isn't just square as a square, it's actually square going up as well. It's a very massive facility, it's not even just a facility, it's almost like a continent, according to Dr. David Jeremiah, who's much, much uh, smarter than me. London, to give you an idea, is only 140 miles square. All the cities of the world are mere villages in comparison to the new city. It's actually what they call four square that according to some writers that I was reading this week, that this, the height of heaven is as tall as 600 stories. I, I can't really wrap my head around what we're talking about right now, but I need you to understand. I don't exactly understand what it looks like and what it's gonna be like, but what I do know, heaven is a place. Jesus wanted us to know that there is a literal place prepared for those that follow him. 
And if you've had family and friends that have gone on before, can I tell you today, they're not walking around your house. All these people that say, I saw grandma in my house. I'm like, I think a demon just knew what grandma looked like. Because grandma ain't in your house. Just write that down and just don't call me later saying, can you come talk to granny? No, no, no. Me and granny ain't got nothing to talk about. <laughs> that the moment that we pass from this life, the Bible says that when the beggar died, Jesus tells the story that angels came and carried him to God. Can I tell you today that I believe that when somebody is leaving this earth, angels fill that room. And the Bible gives us precedent to believe that angels can carry that person all the way to the presence of God. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. Heaven is a place. It's a beautiful thing. I've been in rooms where people have been passing away. And when they were on their last few hours or moments, they would, and I know you've experienced this, maybe you've heard stories where they'll begin to reach out. I heard a story of a family member of mine that was passing away, and while she was passing away, she looked at the gentlemen that were in the room and said, can you open that window? There's men standing there waiting for me to take her home. Heaven is a real place. And right now, it's a reality. Your friends and family who have followed Christ are in eternity in a real place. I, it's hard for me to imagine, just as we're in a real room, they're in a real place. The second thing we understand in this is that not only is heaven a real place, but heaven is perfect. Heaven is perfect. Revelation chapter 21 says, John writes, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. You know, the Bible tells us more about what what's not in heaven than what is in heaven. Imagine that. God knew that he would rather just tell us what's not there than for us to try to understand what is there. Because it is something, Paul said, I can't even explain it. I can't, it's beyond human comprehension. It's beyond my ability to communicate the wonders of eternity. Scripture lets us know that he'll wipe every tear. There'll be no crying, no crying. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more pain. The former things of earth have passed away. He says there's gonna be a marriage supper of the lamb. That means we're gonna be hungry and we're gonna get to eat. Amen. Glory to God. No calories in heaven. I'll fly away. Oh, I feel God all over me right now. I'm tired of knowing what this food's doing to me. I'm tired of it. But one glad morning. <laughs> when this life, the food on earth may kill you, but thank God we're going to go to heaven. The interesting thing about heaven, he said, I'm going to go prepare a place, watch this, for you. 
It's gonna be customized, I believe this, to you. I believe God knows what you like. I believe God knows your favorite colors. He made you. The Bible says in the mother, mother's womb, he was there in utter seclusion, forming and shaping you. He knows what you like. He gave that to you. And when you get to heaven, I just believe it's going to be what you like. Some people will say, what's heaven going to be like? I don't know, but one thing for sure, it's going to be a whole lot better than earth. No more traffic. No more Columbus, Mississippi red light runners. Come on, somebody. I know you're in here. Give your life to Christ today. I believe that when you get to heaven, and I've heard people share this, and I don't have a ton of time to go into it, but I do believe there's a welcome committee. That when you arrive, you're gonna see friends and family. I think that's one of the first, when you arrive into heaven, I believe that when you get there, you're gonna see friends and you're gonna see family. Well, people will say, well, how old will we be? And what will our kids look like? And if I lost a baby, is it still a baby? I have no idea, but the Bible says we'll be known as we were known that when we get to heaven, we will arrive in heaven. And when you see your mother, I don't know what she's gonna look like, but you're gonna know that's your mama. How many of you got friends and family in heaven today? Look at the hands. What a reason to go. I heard an old man tell me one time, he said, I'm ready to go to heaven. I said, oh yeah? He goes, I got way more friends and family there than I do here. <laughs> the Bible lets us know that there'll be no more crying no more mourning. Oh, can you imagine heaven? I can't blame people that when I've been to their hospital beds and they say, I'm just ready to go. I can't blame them. Paul said, for me to die is Christ, but for me to go is gain. I can't blame people when I look at them and they've been sick for so long on this earth. They've dealt with so much pain on this earth. Can you imagine? I went to Haiti uh, not long ago and, and when I was in Haiti, I went to a little shack that was the size of, and I'm not making this up, probably that little platform right there. She had 11 children in that little shack. And she had a brand new baby. We went in there and prayed for the little baby and she was so excited to meet us. And total poverty. They had a little outside kitchen that was covered with banana leaves, had a little, had a little cast iron skillet with leaves in it they were cooking. And I thought, my God, heaven's gonna be good for some people. Imagine what some people have faced. No more tears, no more heartache, no more questions, no more doubt. One day, I think that when it is your turn and my turn, whenever that day is, that, the, that God's voice will whisper and say, come home. We'll hear a voice from heaven. The angels will fill the room, whether it's in hospice, whether it's in a car, whether it's at home, whether it's in your sleep. I don't know the day or the hour for anybody, but I know this, that when the angels come and you go home, there'll be no more sickness no more disease, no more hospice, no more, no more insulin needles, no more crying over your family, no more divorce, no more broken homes, no more, it will all, heaven is gonna be perfect. How many of you wanna go to heaven? The Bible says that eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. We cannot imagine how good heaven's gonna be. The day's coming. And I, you know, I know a lot of people say, I wanna be here, I wanna stay, I wanna live forever. I mean, I don't wanna die young, but I don't wanna live to 150. <laughs> if he's got a place prepared for me, 
I want to go customized for you. I heard one man say that he, he had an out-of-body experience and he believed he had an experience with heaven and, and he said that he loved a certain type of grass. That's what he said. I love a certain type of grass. That's what he said. And said when he was in heaven, God showed him his mansion and he saw the grass that he liked. Now, some of you may like tall grass, trailers in your yard. I don't know, but you ain't, I hope you ain't next to me bring my value down. Because I like a good, cleaned up yard. You know what I'm saying? I like it trimmed. Anybody like a yard trimmed? I don't want no snakes in my yard. That's the best part about when God takes us out of Mississippi. There'll be no more rattler snakes. No more bugs as big as my kids walking around drinking coffee at my table. Oh, some glad morning. When this life is over, I'm leaving and never seeing a Mississippi bug again. <laughs> not only is heaven a perfect place, and not only is heaven a place, heaven is a person. Heaven is a person. He says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You know, when I travel, I have the privilege at times to go all over and I'll be flying places and coming home and going to conferences and speaking and and I've been in a lot of hotel rooms and I've, I've you know my dad was an evangelist too so we, I've been to almost every state and and you know when I come home to my family it isn't home until I see my family it's just a house it's just carpet it's just windows it's just a building it's just it's just square footage until I walk in and see my wife. Because where Lena is, that's home. No matter what state we live in, wherever, wherever she is, that's, that's home. That's what heaven is going to be like. Thank God for the mansions. Thank God for the place. Thank God for the perfect grass. <laughs> Thank God for all the things he's making prepared for you and me. But when we get to heaven, Jesus is what's going to make heaven heaven when you see your master who saved you and healed you, to touch the hands with the scars and to see his pierced side and to see and to look into the eyes of the Son of God that went to the cross for you and for me. I don't know how it's all gonna work, but I am fairly certain that when we get to heaven, it's gonna be wonderful, but when you see Jesus, it's gonna change every, it'll be worth it all when you get the eyes of Jesus on you. I once heard an author say that if he could be in heaven and look through a keyhole for one second and see Jesus every thousand years, it would still be worth going. Imagine that. Heaven is not necessarily what is there. It is who is there that'll make heaven, heaven. There's an old song that says, now if walls weren't jasper and the streets were not gold, if mansions would crumble and if folks still grew old, still I'd see everything I've been longing to see. For if Jesus is there, it will be heaven for me. Can you imagine the moment 
when you turn the corner. I don't know how it's going to be. And you see the welcome committee, and you may see a miscarried baby, and you may see an aunt and an uncle or a father or an old pastor. And when you get through those gates and you see friends and family and the angels have dropped you off, and when you walk in to heaven and you see Jesus, and you see those hands, and you see those feet that stepped into eternity and saved you and healed you and delivered, that will be heaven for us. Come on, is there anybody excited that Jesus will no longer be on pages, but he'll be in person, and there'll be something about when you get to lay your eyes on Jesus. Heaven is not only a place, not only is heaven perfect, and not only is heaven a person. And lastly today, if you're writing notes, heaven is a promise. Jesus said, if it were not so, if it weren't the truth, I wouldn't have told you. If heaven were not so, Jesus is letting us know that this is not a fairy tale. This is not something that maybe I might do. He goes, I am a man of my word, and I'm going to come get you. And there's going to be a day that you'll shed this earth suit, and the pain in your knees will be no more, and the sickness in your body will be no more. Don't need to wear glasses. Your body will be brand new. You'll be fine when you get to heaven. Come on, how many of you want a good old six-pack when you get to heaven? Some things on earth, you can't have one. Pastor Tyson, you had enough. But the rest of us, we're gonna be fine when we get to heaven. I can't wait to see you and be like, girl, you're looking good today. But it's a promise. Heaven's gonna be amazing. Some glad morning when life is over, I'm gonna fly away. And for Christians, it's exciting. Some glad morning, for the world, it would be some horrid morning, some terrible morning, some terrible day. But for those of us in Christ, can you imagine all of it done, all of it over, and to step into eternity and to see with full consciences, heaven, a place prepared for you, with you in mind. I heard a story of a little girl who was blind and never seen, and a surgeon believed that he could, he could give her eyesight. The parents agreed, so they did a procedure, and she came out of the surgery. They removed the bandages, and she could see for the very first time. She looked around the room and she saw her mother for the first time. She looked around and saw her father for the very first time. She looks and sees the doctor for the very first time. She runs over to the window, looks out. She didn't just see the grass, she saw the green grass. She looked up in the sky, she didn't just see the sky, she saw a blue sky. First time she ever seen anything like it. And she looked at her mother and said, Mother, it's so beautiful. It's so, it's so beautiful. Why didn't you tell me? And the mother said, I tried to tell you, but you had to see it for yourself. Can I tell you today what I'm trying to do? I'm just trying to tell you, but you're going to have to see it for yourself. When Jesus finished those words, when he said, I've got a place for you, the Bible lets us know that Thomas, the disciple who's always analytical, looks at Jesus and says, 
well, where are you going? We, we don't understand. And Jesus looks at him and says in verse 6, oftentimes people don't connect it, but this is what he said. Jesus told him, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is letting him know that if you want to go to heaven, you got to go through me. You know, 76% of people believe in heaven. Seventy-six percent of people believe in heaven, and that same amount believe they're going. And if you were to ask them, "How do you get there?" only thirty percent of them can say, "Through Christ Jesus." Based on one study I read, so we have a lot of people all ready to go to heaven, excited about heaven, but haven't ever made a reservation for it. The Bible lets us know. In closing, I'll share this thought. The Bible lets us know that John, when he sees heaven, hears a voice from heaven say to him that there there shouldn't be anything that's not good come into heaven. That's what he says in essence. And he said, the only people that's getting into heaven, their names have to be written in the Lamb's book of life. So the Bible says that if you in this room today have you, and you've said yes to Jesus, you've surrendered your life, you've repented of your sin, and you've made him Lord and Savior, can I tell you today, that name is your name, full name, Ethan, Ricky, Bobby, Paul, whatever my name is, Ethan, Ricky, Paul Boggs is going to be, is written in the Lamb's book of life. And watch this, the devil, if he could, would erase it, but he can't. I was watching this show one time. They were cleaning up crime scenes, and one of the things said, one of the hardest things to clean is blood. I can't erase blood, he said. Sometimes we have to replace the carpet. We have to get rid of the drywall. Wherever there was blood spilled, it's not easy to clean. Can I tell you today, I believe your name is written in blood. That it just can't be taken out, washed out. It's in there. Heard a story of a lady who did a great wedding. She was really honored. She was a singer, and, and she got to uh, perform at this wedding. It was an amazing uh, wedding, and it was really posh, and there was all these famous people there. And, and, and after the ceremony, uh, they were going to the, the rehearsal, and she arrived at the rehearsal. And when she came to the rehearsal, uh, they, her and her husband were standing there and went to the, the book, and the lady was standing there, true story. And she looked at them and said, uh, uh, gave them their names, and they said, your names are not on the list. She goes, well, there must be some mistake. I, I just sang at the ceremony. Can I please come in? And the person who was guarding the front with the book said, I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. That if your name isn't in this book, you are not coming in. And she goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I know the bride and groom. I, and, and I just, it's fine. Can I, I, if you can even just get them. No, 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 your name has to be on the book. He signals some people over. Says, can you please escort these individuals out? They take them to an elevator. They push down to the ground floor to go to their car. 
And they get in the car, and the lady realizes she's in the car. Her husband, they're now leaving in total silence, and she begins to cry, and she remembers, I did not make the RSVP. Through all the mail and everything going on in their lives, I just forgot, got too busy, didn't make the reservations. And in that moment, she began to weep, thinking, there's going to be people one day. They didn't have their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. They didn't make reservations. And one day, we're going to say, no, 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 I cast out devils in your name. No, no, I sang at the service. No, my mama was married to a deacon. No, no, no. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Your name wasn't on the list. And the elevator, she said, goes much deeper than the ground floor. My prayer for you today is that you make reservations. Secure your position in heaven. Finally, once and for all, surrender that you can say, like Albert did, some glad morning. You don't have to be afraid of death. The Bible says that God takes away our fear of death. Every time I'm on a plane and it hits turbulence, I quote that verse. Because I start freaking out. And I tell myself, you know what? The same God that kept me safe in bed can keep me safe on this plane. I'm not afraid of death. I can't be. Because to die is gain. Pastor Tyson, your dad's in heaven. Walking on streets of gold, all better, healthy and well. Today, right now, reality in this moment, brand new. Miss Ann, who's been on vacation for seven months, Glad to see you. Mr. Richard, who's like all of our grandpa, is in heaven right now. Imagine that. Him talking the ears off of every angel. There's probably some angels that's like, man, I should have fell with Lucifer if I knew this guy was going to talk this much. He would laugh at that. I hope. <laughs> Some glad morning, if you make your reservations now, you won't be scared then. You know, I've been in rooms with people that were afraid to die. I'm, I got called by a 90-year-old man one time. A family called me in. I came in, and he looked at me and said, I've made a lot of mistakes, preacher, and I, I'm not afraid. Or excuse me, I'm very afraid to die. How could I, how can I die in peace after all the things I've done? And I know I've shared the story before, but we were in that room today, that day, and I shared with him the gospel. He's never really heard it. He thought he had to be a good boy to get to heaven. And I had to explain to him that his grade card would never be good enough. Jesus had a perfect grade card, and you go in his name. That older man passed away later that day, gave his life to Christ with me that day. I believe when I get to heaven, I'm going to see that man. And I'm going to remind him. about the day in a hospital just hours before he passed that he made some reservations in the Lamb's Book of Life. In just a few hours, I'm telling you, I could tell you his, his whole face just changed. You could see peace come over him when he finally heard the gospel explained in the 11th hour, in the Hail Mary Pass. I'm so glad they called me. God brought us together and in his final moments, 
the relief on his face. And I believe he's in heaven. A new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. I believe it. And some glad morning, you're going to see. Heaven's going to be awesome, isn't it, church? With eyes closed all over the room. If you're in this room today and you know, listen to the question, and you know you're ready for heaven, I want you to raise your hand. You know you're ready. Come on, nice and high. You're ready for heaven. Not because you're good, but because you've accepted Christ. You can put your hands down. So many hands. Thank God for that. Now, if you're one of the people that couldn't raise your hand, you couldn't raise your hand. Can I tell you today, we're going to sure that up. Don't leave this building not knowing Christ. Don't leave this building not sure that you're going to be on your way to heaven. Don't leave this building thinking that you're going to have to, that you're not going to make it today in the name of Jesus. The Bible says any man that believes in their heart confesses the Lord Jesus and surrenders their life once and for all will be saved. Any man that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And every person in this room, I want to see you in heaven. I may not know your name on earth, but I'm going to know you in heaven. And when I see you some glad morning, when this life is over, me and you, with our fine bodies, we're going to rejoice and be glad joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you will, all over the room, repeat this prayer with me. Let's make the decision once and for all. Let's close the deal. Don't leave this place. Heaven is going to be worth it. Every struggle on earth, every question you've ever had, every painful moment, every sleepless night, heaven is going to be worth it. Are you ready? If you're in this room and you are not sure, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to raise your hand and say, I'm ready today to surrender my life, commit my life to Christ. Raise your hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Several hands today. Many hands today. Thank you. You can put your hand down. All together, let's pray this prayer. Say, dear God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean with your blood. Make me new. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. And one day, when this life is over, I can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, give God a praise. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one. Can I tell you today, we have many people say yes to Jesus this morning. Why don't we just give God a praise in this house? Let heaven know I'm on my way to heaven this morning. In fact, do me a favor. I don't want you to leave. I need you to just tell two or three people around you and tell them some glad morning.